Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Cop Eye Podcast with your hosts Mick Moran and Jay Pearson. Welcome back to the Copite Podcast or Copite TV. I don't know which one we are these days. We do bloody both, don't we, Mick? How are you, pal? Yeah, no problem, mate. Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Well, as you can see uh, from the, the beautiful man that is on our screen, we have best-selling author, Ross Chanley, back on the <laughs> podcast. I think it's like your fifth or sixth time, mate, so um, your, match, your next match ball's who's, on the way. Who's counting? I don't know. Count, no. Do we count with when friends come on the podcast? I don't no. think we do. You know what I mean? When he gets intros like this, all the time he's going to keep them back. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're down there on his ego feed, and I'll just bring you up and say, do you need someone on? <laughs> well, the thing is, I did it to Mick for so long, and it just it's worn out now. He just gets right. used to it. <laughs> yeah. So, mate, well, listen, uh, again, thank, thanks a lot, Ross, for coming thanks on, mate. How have, uh, have you been? Good, yeah. I mean, I'm getting excited for the football. Um, itching to get back to it. Um, but yeah, good. Thanks for having me again. Anytime, buddy. Anytime. Seems like uh, stuff on Redmen's going swimmingly as ever, mate. During the lockdown period, some great content you guys are pushing out. Yeah, it's it's been difficult, probably a bit, a bit like yourselves, of just kind of testing new waters, everything that we kind of knew before and understood from a from our fan base, and you know we relied so heavily on match day content and what kind of have everything you know thrown out the window to then go oh shit <laughs> what what do we do now and obviously you know we've got paid subscribers which you know we owe a lot to in terms of you know their support but also they pay for stuff so they expect content and it's kind of finding out like you know i know you've done the same of what works what doesn't work you're testing new waters you have to try things you know certain things like um i did a, a play ratings articles which like you would normally get well after games like i did on the istanbul games like no one was really asked because we've all seen them games before and the beauty of football. It's like having the conversations of the game that's just happened because no two games are the same. That's what yeah. people crave about football. And it just gets found like just doing stuff just didn't work. But it's not like a fault of, of like yours or ours. It's just yeah, the demand's been there because everyone's like, well, there's no football on. There's worse problems going on in the world. You know, a lot more now, like even more so this week. Football was kind of took a, a back step, but you still got to maintain your presence and, and come out of it with the side. Yeah, that's true, mate. And 
like like you just hit the nail on the head. There's there's a lot of stuff that people are uh, struggling with at the minute, and if they can lose themselves in a load of YouTube videos uh, for a couple of hours, that's that's one of the things that we can all provide for them, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's one of the things that I've maintained since the start of it. You know, it's it's all right saying you know, okay, the bigger picture is people's physical health and what's going on across the world and people dying, and you know, it's it's terrible. But it's also, I think, you know, Mix mentioned it before of, of the mental side of things. You know, just you know, we're quite fortunate of having like you know, all of us here having a fan base or friends to go and talk to and stuff like that. But you know, you'll know from going to pubs and, and going to the games and stuff. There's certain people that don't have that network or you know or support. So their only chance of going to talk to people about the football is physically going to the football game. So yeah. like you said, you know, for having some sort of escapism probably of, of, you know, listening to football fans or talking or commenting on you know, Twitter or social media or even YouTube posts of having that escapism to, to talk to people is, is huge for some people. So it's, you know, it's far easy to say like, oh, football doesn't matter. For large people, it doesn't. But, you know, to some people, it's, it's all they've got. Yeah, absolutely, mate. That's all I've got at the minute, anyway. Oh, the wife didn't listen. <laughs> um, but obviously, today obviously is a is a bit of a special day in terms of Liverpool's history. Um, it, on this day, we agreed a deal to sign one James Milner in 2015, and um, he's got to go down as arguably the greatest Bosman ever. Uh, but I just want to speak to you boys about the fact that James Milner. Signed him from City on a Bosman five years ago. Um, 210 games, 26 goals and 39 assists. It's just, it's fantastic for, for for a lad like him and especially his age and he's, he's still going strong. And for me, I just never want to see him leave the club. I just think he's absolutely brilliant and he has been arguably the greatest free signing ever. Yeah, I, you know what? I think if he left, I think it would be the biggest loss to that to that team. And you can talk about quality on the pitch of a Salah and Mane or Firmino, you know, Virgil van Dijk. But, you know, James Milner brings so much on and off the pitch. In the period that he's been at the club, you know, even that time we were in transition where we had, like, you know, Sacco at the back and Alberto Moreno and stuff like that. And he was, you know, well, even when Moreno was there, he was playing left-back. That sums him up perfectly. He's a midfielder doing another job that he's been required to do. No questions asked. Did it? Okay, maybe he wasn't as good as Robertson going forward, but that was never the expectancy of him. Uh, the maturity that he shows, the, uh, the fact that he puts an arm around younger lads, the fact that he's he's so fit, he passes the test better than anyone else at the start of pre-season, year in, year out. And even he's like, the latest memory I have is the, the clearance against Bournemouth. Do you know what I mean? That's the oldest person, you know, that, 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 a player that's in our team set an example still. I, like He still baffles me. I mean, he shouldn't do because he, he showed it time and time again just how, how good he is on and off the pitch. Yeah, it's true. Mick, when um, when it was announced, the deal that we were signing, James Milner, what was your initial thoughts? I mean, granting back to the, the time where we were at as a club, sort of on the brink of something special maybe, or we were in a bit of a transition period, what was your thoughts when we were getting him? I don't know. I I always thought he was a, a good footballer and like good all rounder, like Ross has said. But I, I don't know if it, he's he's not a type of signing where you're like doing cartwheels about it. Do you know what I mean? He, he's he's a good solid player. I think for the free transfer, it, it probably was a bit of a no-brainer. I think he took a 15k pay cut yeah. to, to join us. I think he joined on the premise that he was going to be put into centre midfield more often because obviously at, at, at Man City he wasn't getting that that game time in that preferred position. So he joined on that premise and then. Like Ross has just also said, he got thrown into left back and obviously didn't didn't complain at all. Done a great job, and we were at without Andy Robbo or 
whatever down that left side and performed boss. So no, I was I was happy with the signing and obviously he's gone on to do amazing things. And like Ross said, if if he, if he left, it would leave a huge void in there because I think his his um, his influence behind the scenes is probably not spoken highly enough. And him and him alongside Hendel have just spurred us on to all the great things that we've gone on to do. I think yeah, his personality is a huge part of that as well. Sorry, Jay, of like, you know, no, no. That, that thing where it was like a boring James Mill. And I think, I think Mick's right yeah. when he came in, like, you're not doing cartwheels because, like, you know, an English central midfielder never sets, you know, anyone's world on fire, really, does it? But you think of where he's been and what he's done of, you know, Newcastle, Aston Villa, City, you know, he was consistent, you know, kind of low profile of what he did. And, you know, at the time, it's probably what Liverpool needed of, you know, some, some maturity, someone to stabilize that because. You know, we think of the loss of, of Steven Gerrard and Jamie Carragher. We didn't really have that, yeah. that voice or someone in, in the background, but also his personality in the sense of like when he does those videos with Robbo and stuff like that. You know, he adopted the, the boring James Milner, which he's quite clearly not, but he's taking it on the chin and he, you know, he's kind of gone with it. So I think, but there's probably you probably say that for a lot of Liverpool players at the moment. I think, you know, the way they come across the fans, that bond, I think, it, it, it's helped immensely. But I think probably even more so with, with, with a James Milner because he's just a dead, dead nice fellow, isn't he? Oh yes, absolutely, and like you just said, those videos are just brilliant, and it's this all the down to earthness of what Milner and Robbo bring to the squad. And like you've said before, that not everybody is a is a superstar footballer, and that and the really grounded individuals that just get up, play football, and crack on. But like the the old Paul Scholes mold, you never saw him on the front pages; he was always on the back pages, and even then he was dead quiet in in his personal life. And I think that's that's exactly what that is uh, for James Milner, and if if. Uh, you know, Mick knows I've I've read his book and I think you've read it as well, Ross, haven't you? It's, it's, it's yeah, he's got two, hasn't he? He's got like a Q and A yeah. one as well. Yeah, the Q and A one is so funny. It's just it's so James Milner. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, when I when I first heard the news, I was I was absolutely buzzing. And the reason why is because obviously we all remember the the three two City game uh, at Anfield in twenty fourteen. Obviously, it was did such a good good atmosphere. We went two 0 up on the verge of winning the league. Um, but when he came on, that's when City got back into the game. When he was coming on, I was shitting myself thinking he's going to change the game here, and he did. So when I'm picturing in my mind when we're signing, we're signing that James Milner. And for me, I think we've got a better version of James Milner that's been at Newcastle, Leeds, Villa, and City. I don't know if you agree, if you guys agree with that. Yeah, I, but I can't say I watched him so much at Aston Villa, Newcastle, and, uh, and Leeds very much. But I suppose it comes with maturity and experience. And kind of like level headedness. You know, we, we speak about Virgil and like being calm and composed. You probably say the same with James Milner, and he's probably like that in the dressing room as well. So, yeah, I think you're probably spot on, but I think he's just, you know, he doesn't, I don't think he's ever drunk, has he either? So, like, it's not like he's, no. he's, he's properly looked after his body. So, you know, I shouldn't compare him to Cristiano Ronaldo in that sense, but you need, to, I mean, in terms of someone looking after the, the, the physical health and being at the peak, you know, okay, James Milner isn't a Cristiano Ronaldo, but, you know, He's a, he's a little bit older than him, but you know, for someone to kind of do that and have the maturity and just say, I want to dedicate everything I've got to, to my job and you know, put, essentially put his body on the line, both you know, in every sense of the word, I think it's um, a testament to the man, to be honest. Yeah, definitely, mate. Mick, if um, say Leeds do get promoted, given obviously the, the current climate and stuff like that, do you see him? Going back to Leeds, you know, given that you know, touch wood, everything goes right for for us. We win the league. Do you see James going back to to Leeds? I hope not. Because, like Ross said, it would leave him a massive void in there. But then, on the flip side, you couldn't really blame him because it's his it's his boy club. That's where he broke through as a. I think he broke through as a, as a striker, didn't he? And I was a I was a winger yeah. back yeah. in the day. So you could you couldn't really blame him. But you know, for for what he's 
given to the club and what, like we just touched on there, what it what he's what he's brought to the dressing room and all the other stuff that's gone along with it. And if we do top it off, obviously won the Champions League last year, and if we if we top it off with the Premier League this year, then it might be a nice way for him to go out. Mm. And like Ross said, I think James Milner is probably having the best period of his career, only because I think he, his peak's probably later than everyone else's because he's such a machine. So I think yeah. the last five years we've had him from 29 to 34. I think that's probably that's probably the peak James Milner that, that you're going to see because he was literally like, obviously all the hard work he does on the training ground and winning the lactate test every year and all this, all this <laughs> shit like that. I think he's, he's just one of them that, he's, that longevity he's brought to this club has been tremendous. So I don't, I don't think you can blame him if he if he had a little shootout to lead at the end of the season, maybe. I think that's yeah, the massive difference between when we when he signed and now, is if he left, and as I said before, it'd be a massive loss. But James Milner was the only person in that Liverpool side that had won something. There was yeah. a, a natural born winner. You know, he won titles with City and you know FA Cups, League Cups, whatever else that he'd won. You know, Liverpool. You know, at the time that he signed, they relatively won fuck all. I never had that, <laughs> yeah. winning, that that winning mentality. The mentality shift in the past five years. You know, we've won the Champions League, we've, we're champions of the world. You know, we've got to Europa League finals and, and stuff like that on the back of it. You know, we're going to be Premier League champions. So for everyone else to have that in their locker is a huge difference. Yeah. I, I agree with Mick. Like, I don't, I don't blame him if he wanted to leave, but at the same time, you know, I, I understand it might be his only chance to go and play for his boy club and kind of, you know, I think he'd be, be, be captain, he'd be still in the Premier League. <laughs> he'd be an example to them. I think he'd bring them, them to another level. But at the same time, why would you leave, why would you leave Liverpool? Do you know what I mean? If you're dead happy, I suppose yeah. also it, it depends on transfer business in, in the summer. You know, if someone's going to come in like Mick said before and take that midfield spot. You know, do, is he want to go on a wang around and play? You know, a handful of games, or if we don't get a, a backup left back, does he, does he want to play left back all the time? It's entirely up to him. And if he did want to go, I, I'd have no qualms. I'd be gutted. But I, you know, like Mick said again, you know, for the service he's put in for this club for the past five, six years, whatever it is, mm. who, who are we to argue with him? Yeah, perfect, mate. Um, just last one on, on Millie then. Your favourite Millie moments. Um, mine is, I mean, every penalty he scores is a great Millie moment for me because the way he puts them penalties away is unreal. But for me, it was the, the tears um, at Anfield after we got to the Champions League final. You can see how much it meant to him. But I don't know if you guys have got any different or you agree with me on that one. I think I agree on that one. I think the one that sticks to mind straight away is the, Le- the Leicester one. I think it was the last minute. The Leicester game, I think it was at, was it at home? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. I was literally obviously shitting my kicks, thinking, oh, fuck, we need to put this away. But then Millie steps up and bags it. And that was like a one, just set us along the line to the crucial run of results. So that was one of them yeah. as well for me. Yeah, I think I've got, I've got a few. I think you can't argue with the penalties because, again, everything that I'm probably going to say now sums the man up in some way. So with the penalties, where it's last minute or whatever, it's, you know, it's the composure, you probably back him to go and do it. Um, putting Neymar on his arse, I think you know, is, is, <laughs> yeah. is another huge one. But that's incentive to kind of it sets a tone for the players, sets a tone for the fans of saying, you know, we're Liverpool, here. we're not we're not here to fuck around, or we don't we don't care who you are. It's, I think that the mentality mm. behind behind what he does, you know, it's, if someone else doing it to a Liverpool play, you don't like it, but you know that's just just football and tribalism. And, and again, the Bournemouth thing, I know it's you know probably recency bias or you know the kind of the last thing that he did, but you know. It, Never giving up, being the last man on the line, digging your team out out, out the shit. You know, you could go on of, of what that that one moment meant. Uh, and even like, you know, we said before, you know, he's in, in his mid thirties. Like, he's not, is he? 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If, you, if, you, if you have a, like we said the lactate test before, if you put, put any of us up against James Milner, like none of us are capable of, of doing that. You know, the, the technique, the drive, the mentality is behind the time, just go on, we're going to get that ball, we're going to hook it. And he cleared it pretty well as well. So, you yeah. know, you know there's, there's probably loads more for James Milner. I do like the Champions League one. I think the clips were doing the round after the anniversary and he's giving it the six times. But like his muscles and his veins are <laughs> yeah. like fucking Popeye. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Uh, there's only three months between me and James Miller. And I just look at him and go, I am just a fucking absolute mess compared to that man. Yeah. He's, uh, uh, that's his altar shame, doesn't he? He does, mate. He does. Well, moving yeah. swiftly on. Um, obviously, we've got uh, big news that's happened the last, the last week or two that the Premier League is back. Thank fucking Christ for that. Um, but obviously, we don't want to talk too much in terms of like the, the revelation because we've all <laughs> been there. We've all talked about how happy we are about it. But we've had a few more details to come to light since. Obviously, June 17th is when City and Arsenal are coming back. So, obviously, we will be keeping a, a very close eye on that one. Um, given the fact that there's been a big break and all that sort of stuff, do you think Arsenal can get a result against City to potentially help us for the derby on uh, the, the, the weekend after? I think it, it 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 depends, doesn't it? Because you know you can take positives and negatives from this big break for a lot of people. I think we're in the obviously in the Liverpool bubble. We see what's going on. We're seeing Liverpool do eleven v eleven training at Anfield. That's just to get the players fit. And I believe some of the tackles were, were pretty tasty in that. But you know, getting them used to that atmosphere is all preparing for them. And I think Jurgen Klopp came out and said, you know, he's not going to hide. He's still going to be screaming and shouting at people if they're not if they're not doing the right job. So we're seeing all the mentality side from it and, and Liverpool being prepared for this thing. So, but you know, we take Arsenal, for example, they're probably similar to Everton. Piatet is kind of being ill. You, you know, he's, he's still a relatively new manager. So he's had his time to implement ideas, tactical decisions, get to know his players, you know, kind of tell them what they think they can and can't do. But it's the fitness side of it as well. Uh, you know, going up against City is really tough because Pep Guardiola is one of the best managers you know, in our lifetime, in my opinion. So, to think that Man City aren't going to be prepared for this game, but they've got nothing to play for, really, <laughs> in that sense. So, it's, yeah. it's going to be difficult. I think yeah. it could be a perfect time to play them, to be honest, because like Ross said, the fitness isn't... It doesn't matter how much training they do, the fitness isn't going to be there for, for the match game. So, I think it might be a perfect time for Arsenal to play them and that it, it might be like a pre-season friendly type thing. Obviously, it's going to be very competitive and it's going to be... A, Closely for game, but I think it, it could be perfect for us because they could, if, even if they go there and, and make a draw or whatever, either way, it's, it's perfect for us that we can maybe clinch the title. So, yeah, it might be, might be a good one for us. Yeah, definitely, mate. I think, you know, we, we look back at the last 30 odd years, and Klopp has said it in a recent interview that it, it, we've been through so much of trying to win this, win this title. If we've got to wait a little bit longer, we've got to wait a little bit longer. But it would be nice to, after all this comes back, the, the game comes back. I mean, we all did the match preview, didn't we, uh, for the Everton game, and that was yeah. like going to be the next game. And then it's like, right, we're not doing that now. But it just would be absolutely amazing after all this to go up, to happen for us to win it at Goodison anyway. So, but obviously there's still a, a talk, and obviously it's probably the, the meeting's happening right now regarding the the mutual venue discussion. And for me personally, I just think it's a lot of bollocks. I think if you've just got to talk to Merseyside Police about it, they're fine with the game happening at Everton. Ross, I know you guys at the Redmond have done a really good piece on it, um, but just share a couple of insights in terms of what you thought about mutual venues and whether you yeah, think it's a good idea it, or not. Exactly the same as what you thought. I, um, I, I did an interview last week and, and spoke about it and like, I'm, I'm fine with it if it's all neutral venues. 
Like, mm. I understand the decisions behind it. The bigger picture is, you know, it's people's safety. If they want to do that, fine. But don't have the hybrid thing of saying you can have yeah. games and, and, you know, I think it's Man City games, the Manchester United game, and there's a couple of Liverpool games where, where you're going to win the title. To me, it, it, it doesn't make, well, it doesn't make a difference to me because wherever the game's played, I'm watching at home. I can't go to the pub, I can't go to my mates, can't go to my parents, can't go to Anfield. Like, and if I went to Anfield, I'd miss the game anyway. So, you know, it, what's yeah. the point? You're going to see more of it on TV. But it just feels like a slur on, on, on fans and something that's kind of, I think I call it like a dated opinion or, you know, a stigmatism against football fans, which I thought we were past, to be honest. And even more so, a stigmatism towards Liverpool fans, which again, I thought we were past to say you can't be trusted. Wherever this game is played in the world, are you telling me, you know, there's not Liverpool fans? You're going to play at Wembley, there's no Liverpool fans in London, is there not? What difference does it make? In that sense, so I think it's I think it's a bit pathetic to be honest. And like you said, there, Merseyside Police have said it's fine. Everton want the gate that game at Goodison Park to go, to go and win the title. So, and like and again, from a fan's perspective, you know, it could be played on the moon. I don't, I don't care, but you know, it'd also be pretty sweet to win the title at Everton. So there's probably yeah. only Everton fans that are probably the only ones that don't want it at Goodison Park because it just just boil mm. piss. They won't fucking see it anyway, regardless. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it yeah. doesn't matter, does it? But like you said, the, the whole or oh, the title-winning game's got to be away from Anfield. Like, I'm, I'm not being funny, Mick. You're not going to congregate around Anfield, are you? You're going to be at home watching it and watching the players celebrate and watching us lift the trophy. You're not going to go, oh, I'm going to go to Anfield and, and listen. Oh, have they lifted yeah. it yet? Oh, yeah, I can hear him picking it up. Oh. Yeah, it's it's absolutely pointless. And like Ross said, it is a bit of a stigmatism and it's just... This whole stereotype that around Liverpool and obviously north the north clubs and they're gonna yeah. they're gonna cause trouble they're gonna go around the grounds it's like what, but why it makes it makes no sense at all why would we not want to sit on the couch or watch it on telly which is the, it's gonna be the best seat because where else the fuck are you gonna watch it you can't Correct. you can't peek over Anfield can you I like uh, lots of fans <laughs> go oh yeah I, I can kind of see it but like someone else made a good point yesterday of like you know well there's two things. One, every opportunity they get to use Wembley, they try and do because they paid that much for it. So they're trying That's to just true. get as much yeah. use out of it, which, again, doesn't make any sense. But also Jack said that, you know, it's not just Northwest teams. It's not just Liverpool that are fighting for something. We've known this is coming. We've been prepared for two months that we're going to have to watch it at home. Mm. But say, you know, the relegation battle, like say Norwich escape. You know, there's going to be yeah. idiot, a handful of idiots from every fan base that, you know, will go and spoil it for everybody. But they're not going to go and say, right, Norwich, you've got a, a you know a relegation decider against blah blah blah. You're now a neutral venue because they they won't they won't change that. Or equally, you know, a Wolves, a Sheffield United, a Leicester, you know, getting you know potentially getting Champions League football. You're telling me their fans aren't going to be delighted with that, and there might not be like a handful of people that are going to be there for that. What what difference does it make? We've been yeah. told that we can't celebrate, and it was interesting. Jurgen Klopp did an interview yesterday and said we need the best stay-at-home fans, but he also said like I don't need to tell them. But by saying I don't need to tell them, it was like a little nod to say, <laughs> yeah. fucking stay at home, will you? <laughs> it's true. Everyone's going to be on Zoom, aren't they? It's going to be the biggest fucking Zoom party ever. Yeah, and again, like I think he said, I think, you know, you guys obviously speak to people that, are, you know, reply to you on Twitter or your YouTube channel or whatever else. You know, we've had suggestions of people doing like a Zoom parties or, you know, putting your flags outside your house. Not one person has suggested that I've seen of, let's all go down to one field, let's go and do this. And everyone's yeah, said like, yeah, when, the, when, the, when the time's right, when it's safe, 
let's go and have that parade. You know, we, we've, mm. we've seen the scenes recently from last, like a year ago, two days ago, whatever it was, of the, the, you know, the trophy parade for the Champions League final, which we won. Like, it's got to be on a, on a completely different scale to that. But, like, I'm not putting myself at risk. I'm not going to put friends and family at risk. I'm not put people at risk, uh, people I don't know at risk by yeah. going out into Liverpool as much as I want to. Like, I'm just contributing to making things worse. Yeah, it's, a, it's an insult, really, isn't it? Because they're, they're just expecting us to do that. Yeah, it's like, well, why? But why? Like, we're, we're we're all aware of the problems in the world. Of course, we are, but yeah. we're not less informed just because we're in the north of the, the country. And is it any worse than the scenes that we saw at the weekend of people going to, oh, no. to the beaches and, and beauty spots exactly. and people in high high positions of power doing things that they shouldn't be doing? <coughs> Which is partly why I think they've decided. These, these neutral venues things should exist because the, the per- person who in power who's done that has basically given everyone the green light to say well you can kind of go and do what you want yeah, yeah which, you don't, which you don't agree with but at the same time well he, he can do it and get away with it well what what, what we what are we sat in our houses for yeah correct it's not like we live in fucking america where it takes days of driving to get from one side of the country. If you put it in a neutral venue, there's a, there's a, like you said before, mate, there's going to be Liverpool fans all over the country. Yeah. If they're going to go, they're going to go. We so, can put it in Europe and there's still going to be Liverpool fans around yeah. Europe. Anywhere in the world, <laughs> yeah. there's Liverpool fans, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. Well, on the plus side of it, of all this happening, is the fact that we are going to experience every single game live on the TV, which, again, is unprecedented. And it's something I think... We've all been clamouring for a long, long time, but the news that all 92 remaining games will be live is, is still a massive positive, especially for those fans who've never been able to get to the game, whether it be they can't get tickets or you know they're, they're, they're disabled or whatever, they've never been able to get to the game. This is such a good thing for every football fan in the UK, especially after what's been happening since March, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. just encouraging people to stay at home, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, you know, kind of behave themselves. But I think you're right, you know, the amount of money that's in in TV deals, and like I like I can't afford Sky, I can't afford BT. You know, I find other legal means and ways of, of watching the football. <laughs> and yeah, and, and you guys, bo- you guys both know we do it as well. Yeah, yeah. We do. you guys both know that that, that you know trying to get tic- all the tickets to get to Anfield is fucking ridiculous, and it has been for a few years and years. So the fact that you know, okay, we don't have to stay at home and watch it, but I think we're all going to appreciate football in the sense of, you know. A Burnley Newcastle game, for example, and not just discrediting all them teams, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't normally watch. I wouldn't yeah. be at fall. So I have two months of no football. Like I'm watching that game, and some of the yeah. coverage, like it's an opportunity for like, the likes of BBC to kind of showcase what what they're made of, and maybe you know it could be a thing for for the future. I know there's, I think you said before, there's a couple of years left left on this deal, but like, why shouldn't it be like that's what it was like when we were growing up when we were kids? Did have like you know certain games? On, I know it wasn't Premier League, but showcase yeah. what, what football's about and get people interested, grow interested. And, you know, the amount of people that have been furloughed or have lost a job or, you know, can't afford these things. To have it free to air, encourage them to stay at home. The, the best one for me is Amazon. Their, their coverage mm. of football is phenomenal. Like, yeah. And, and I think they've got four games which are free. Like, I'm oh. tuning into all of them because, like, the way you can pick and choose, for me, that's the future of, of, of TV football. Yeah, definitely, mate. And Mick, you said it the other day, didn't you, about Sky are doing... A selection of games for free as well, aren't they? If, if people have got like the the minimal Sky subscription, they'll be able to watch a, a lot of the games for free as well. Yeah, I think there's I think there's thirty three in total for free, so I think twenty five on Sky and then four Amazon and four on BBC. But I think obviously, I think to be the first time BBC have ever or for ages of of had a Premier League match on there. Yeah, like it is. 
the first time ever. Yeah. I mean, that's gonna that's gonna be good, isn't it? At least, and then obviously, I think Amazon is the main one. I think I'll just like touched on having that Netflix type access to footy, which I think most countries around the world have access have access to a set kind of app like that already. But the country that the fucking football is played in doesn't. Yeah. It is a bit. This is it, mate, and you've you've just hit the nail on the head. It's it's daft, and I just don't understand. And that's something I wanted to just discuss with you both now in terms of the future. Um, there's a there's a really good book called The Club, and it's how the Premier League got started. It's all the inside info of, of the league and all that all that type of stuff. And if anybody's not read it, I really encourage anybody to to read it. But the first TV deal um, from ninety two, ninety three to ninety seven was worth fifty million pound a year. Whereas this current cycle from 2019 to 2022 is worth nearly four billion pound a year, so so the TV rights alone are just unbelievable, and it averages I think about 135 million per club, which is insane amount of money as we all know. But it's like I said, I said to you guys off air that I think the coronavirus now with the 92 games being played and like Ross said, encouraging us to stay at home and all that sort of stuff. The reason why the 3 p.m. kickoff rules brought in in the first place 30 years ago was to encourage people to go to the match. Well, now it's the opposite. It's too hard to get into the match now because, like Ross said, there's, you just can't get tickets for love and money for a lot of people. We're, the three of us are in a very privileged position that we we live locally and we can get access to tickets and we have done things the right way. But it, it takes years of, of memberships to do that and build your credits up and stuff. So now is the time where people want to watch every single game at home and this is where... You know, other other ways come into into play, and IPTV is getting popular all the time and stuff. And it would be great if there was a sort of Netflix Premflix style thing come up and after twenty twenty two. And I just think I would pay ten to fifteen pound a month to see all archives of Premier League games and every game live. You would, wouldn't you? Yeah, but I think you I think you'd be very optimistic with ten to fifteen pound a month. <laughs> I and know, that, yeah. And that, that's part of the problem. Like I said before, like I can't I can't afford Sky. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like Sky Sports alone's like what is it, forty quid or something stupid? Yeah. And that's on top of like, you know, your T V package and then your internet and if you want if you want BT sports and then there's so many other ways of, of trying to get access to football. It's it's just ridiculous. And I, the one thing I don't want to happen. It's because people can't go to football stadiums and they need to make up the footfall of like, you know, ticket revenue, which clubs don't have at the minute, is for the TV companies to exploit people and go, right, listen, like, you know, you just said they're 10 to 15 pounds. Like, great, that'd be ideal. And I think the amount of people that would subscribe to that would be would be phenomenal because it's kind of an affordable thing. But you think in Sky Sports alone is 40 quid. It's yeah. gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be through the roof of, of what these people are gonna expect, and I don't think they should take. I think they should take the opportunity to go. Football fans are a working class fan base predominantly. I know things have changed slightly. Like they've introduced you know, corporate tickets and stuff like that, but it's still. Do you know what I mean? You pay what forty pound a ticket for for a game at Liverpool if you know, if, if if you're lucky. Make it affordable for everybody. Make make it so everyone can kind of again in the situation stay at home afford football enjoy it and I reckon you get a lot more people subscribing if they could afford it because if it says 40 quid a month why would I go no I can't do that whereas it's 10-15 pounds yeah sound it's more affordable to me and, and, and probably most football fans I, th- I think the Premier League <coughs> must be aware of this issue as well obviously we touched, about, touched on there find another means of watching it if you can't afford it they surely know that there's hundreds of thousands of streams going out there that people are using because they can't afford, so why why can't they come together? <laughs> let common sense fucking prevail for once. Come up with a 
a feasible solution that's affordable for everyone. And then they'd be they'd be on that. Everyone everyone would be back say if it was thirty top max thirty a, a month, I think pretty much all of all of the UK, everyone would have that if like you say, so if you had access to all the archive footage and you could watch back all the all games and all that, that would, it, for me it's a no brainer. So I, the common sense to prevail is yeah, it's, it's a difficult. Asking one. a lot of the Premier League that night. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Doesn't happen, does it? So it's it's it's, uh, it's a bit optimistic, like but. No, but if that ten to fifteen quid is spent all the way around the world, do you know what I mean? I mean, I know NBC have got stuff in America and Canal and in France have got rights to it, but I mean, the amount of money that the Premier League will get if that same ten to fifteen pound euros dollars whatever was spent all the way around the world. It'd be way more money than, than the three billion they're getting a year now. It'd be a hundred odd billion a year, and then each club would potentially get a billion pound every year. And but that's just asking for more trouble because you can see like a, a really shitty player in League Two going for like six hundred million eventually. So right. that's just asking for trouble. But that's that's the way it's going to go. Eventually. I, I reckon if you look at the viewing figures of the BBC of like you know watching the World Cup and stuff, which you know. <laughs> if it's on it's four games on a day on the BBC or ITV, like we we all watch them. You know, just, just for the spectacle, but most people watch them because they don't have Sky. It's the only yeah. way of getting access to, to kind of football because they can't afford Sky Sports, BT Sports, and any other packages that are going on. And, you know, Amazon's obviously coming to the fold, which is pretty new. I know you can get a 30-day free trial and stuff like that, but, you know, it's just more money on, on top of whatever else. And, like, you know, like the mix said, like, no one can afford all three of them. It, it, you know, it, I think certain, certain people across, like, Scandinavia and across the Europe, like, you can just select... Liverpool games, yeah. Like if if they gave you the option to kind of do that, okay, some of the big games, I think you you want to jump in on as well. But like a a select package of saying, right, you pay, I don't know, two hundred pound for the year, and you can watch every Liverpool game. Yeah, sound. A lot of people would bang up for that. But like Mick says, you know, it's it almost seems like common sense. Yeah, it's it's mad, isn't it? I mean, I know. Um, Seamus from the WWE he was did an interview with Paul didn't he a while ago, and he said that. Yeah, I've got the NBC app on me. If I want to pay ten, twelve dollars a month, and I get every single game, and you just think, right, you're a Liverpool fan from Ireland who lives in America and can watch every game, and we can't do that. And it's yeah. just the mind just it it, it, it the mind boggles for it, mate. But hopefully that these ninety two games will be an eye opener for a lot of people because everyone will be tweeting about it, saying that they can get access to every single game, and there'd be more rights. I mean, I I, I don't know if the subscriptions would go up even if they did put every live game on, but like you said, Ross, it's, there's a lot of people who can't afford it. They're paying £15 a month for BT on top of Sky, and then they've got Amazon. And If it was all under one roof, it would be a, a lot yeah. easier for everybody, wouldn't it? I think even like some of like Mick said before, I think the Merseyside Derby's free to wear on Sky Sports. Yeah. You know, so it's also like a good, well, a marketing ploy for them. Like, you know, I'm sure like most of the other games that they've got on for free won't be the best big, big hitters because they want people to subscribe and, and sign up to the thing. But, you know, even if they put some of them on, it's like a teaser of like you know saying here's a bit of free content for you, you know if you want the, the full thing, come and try it for this price or something. It's, it's incentive to get people going rather than just going. Well, if you want to watch football, you've got to pay through the roof for it. It's just it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's a sad state of affairs when you need the global pandemic for them to <laughs> finally do something like this, yeah. like what's yeah. been done 10, 15 years ago, really. Yeah, it's true. It's true, and they, they go on about how oh, our technology's moved forward, how we broadcast games and all that sort of stuff. Every TV channel talks about it, but 
we're still stuck in the dark ages in terms of the rules and regulations of watching football. You can't watch football at three o'clock because you've got to go to the match instead. Well, you know, no one can. The, the Premier League is so much bigger than what it than what it was back then now. And but again, you through. know, it, the issue behind that is it was a completely separate issue. But it's not an issue for Liverpool fans now. But if you go up and down the country, we're not putting it on telly because we want you to go to games. A lot of people can't afford to go to the games week in week yeah. out because the prices are through the roof. Mm. So maybe that maybe that that might come down as well for certain clubs. That's it. And a lot of us go to the game and we still pay for Sky and we still pay for BT and we're paying forty, yeah. sixty pound a ticket. Well that's just so... for the ticket, you know, you've got your travel, yeah. your half time pie, your beers, you know, afterwards and all that stuff. You know, it's a, it's an expensive day out for what's a, again, what's a working class game. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you go like I've been a not loads of away games, but I've been quite a few and if fucking hell, it's like it's 150, 200 quid all in because obviously you need a ticket, you need your travel to get there, your fucking hotel, bath, food, bath, food. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's literally like I, I don't know how some people can afford it. It's mad. Like you see some mates of mine go every game and they're like, fair enough, they're on good money, but even still, even if you're on mega bucks, it's, it's a lot of money to be shelling out on all like prices at the tickets every week. It's just it's crazy. Yeah. Well, hopefully, after the uh... After 2022, hopefully they'll have something uh, to reveal. Maybe they work on something over the next the next couple of years to try and just say, listen, that's the last 92 games of that season worked. We need to capitalise on it, and hopefully they do make football for everyone. Either that, or we all move to America. <laughs> so we can, we can watch three o'clock kickoffs at two o'clock in the morning or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, at least we can watch them. <laughs> Sound. Uh, well, listen, one last thing before you go, mate. It's just obviously the first fixture is now confirmed that it will be Everton. Uh, are you feeling going into that game? Um, I don't think you've processed it in my head yet, to be honest with you. Um, again, it comes back to who's prepared for it, and I've got no doubt in my yeah. mind that Liverpool will bang up for this game. You know, you can say, like, you know, you said before, we waited 30 years for the title. You know, as the two months played on the, on the minds of these Liverpool players, or has Jurgen Klopp got them fired up and saying, you know, Job's not done yet. Go in there and get it done. I think yeah. you've seen some clips from, like I said, the 11 v 11 that he did at Anfield the other day. Looking at like some low salary, he was in training with his with his top off, and you're thinking, Jesus Christ, like, <coughs> you know, you've not been sat in your arse eating jaffa cakes off your belly for the past two months. Like, you're, 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 you're bang up for this game. So, um, and equally, you know, Everton don't have a lot to play for, but it's the Merseyside derby, so they're going to they, they're going to be bang up for it. So, it'd be interesting to see. It's just. It's just bizarre because we don't know how it's going to play out. You know, Everton, Everton could shock us. I said before about, you know, Mikel Arteta and Schlotty's in the same place, getting to know his players, you know, cheering them up for this game. You know, same previous self. There'll be a lot of people playing for the futures under Andrew Schlotty, I imagine, as well. Saying, you know, you're basically in the, in, the, in the shop window or you're playing for your Everton future. You know, just because the Merseyside derby doesn't mean you're going to sit off and do nothing. Um, I do think it's interesting Jordan Pickford plays again because... And how he reacts because we've seen every time that he play, he plays Liverpool, yeah, he, he just crumbles. So we're, you know, there's no crowd there makes makes a difference for him. Or if Liverpool just played Divock Origi and just start standing next to him for ninety minutes, <laughs> get the shit out of him, I'm fine with that as well. Well, like I said, another person that made his name in the derby, the last one at Anfield was uh, Shakiri. And Mick, you did you have you got a feeling that he's going to leave? No, I was just gonna. I was just gonna ask Ross about it because obviously we touched on Millie before. Maybe, maybe leaving, maybe for a Leeds at the end of the season if 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 we win the Premier League. I just wanted to get Ross's thoughts on 
maybe on a, on a Jadon Shapiri because obviously there's some there's some interest from Newcastle apparently, and I think that interest is reciprocated from him. If if I believe if they get took over, uh, he's he's twenty he's twenty nine in October. He's only played six had six Premier League appearances this year for the Reds. So do you think it's time time for him to be moved on? <coughs> um. I don't know. Shakiri just a really odd one. I think you know you're right. The link came with with Newcastle, and if they get taken over, which seems to be dragging on a little bit now, I think that's a whole separate conversation whether that happens or not. I just don't understand why he hasn't played, and we can all speculate. There's been rumours like he doesn't, you know, he, only, he can only fit in a four-two-three-one. He doesn't track back, which is why Jurgen Klopp doesn't doesn't really like him in the side. But I mean, you know, we've seen glimpses of him against you know Manchester United games, the preseason game where he scored an overhead kick against Manchester United, the Barcelona game. The Merseyside Derby, you know, the quality's there with, with, with Shakiri, but he just doesn't seem to fit for some reason. And because we don't know the reason why, we don't know. Um, you know, I think he's also missed a lot of opportunities where we've had cup games and, you know, youth players have almost gone ahead of him, like Sir Curtis Jones or Harvey Elliott, because he's had the opportunity to play in games which he probably should have started, but he's been injured. And I don't understand the injuries behind it because he's, you know, his thighs are bigger than the three of us put together. So you know how 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 can he have these 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 injuries? So it's bizarre. I don't think I blame him if he wanted to leave because I think you know he said that the age is still there. I think he's still got the capability. Maybe he he's he's better performing when he's the the main fella inside aside. If he went to Newcastle, I think I think he'd be that. Um, and I think it also depends on incomings, which again the transfer window and transfer dealings what Liverpool do and don't this summer with every other club is all is all up in the air. So you know if a team of Werner comes in or you know. Klopp says Curtis Jones is going to play in the wing or Chamberlain's going to play in the wing or Harvey Elliott's going to come through. Like, if you're Shane Zakiri, you, you're looking thinking, you know, you mentioned his six games there. Where's he getting his game time if, it, if a team of Werner comes in? I, I just don't see it. So, and it's also probably a good time to sell him. I know the, the market might be different in the sense of, uh, of price and stuff like that, but, you know, your last memories of Shane Carey, of everything I've just mentioned before, if you're yeah. a club, you're, you're looking at that. Whereas if he stays another year, he's going to game time. His value just decreases. So, yeah. you know, we all know Michael Edwards is very good at pulling people's pants down and getting loads of money for, for, for players. So, you know, you say a ballpark figure for Jern Shakiri, we're talking between 15 and 25 million pounds probably, which is a profit on what profit, we bought him yeah. for. So it's, it's a job done. And it's also a contribution towards, you know, what's what might go on a team of earner. And Harry Wilson's another one. Like, you know, what roles he got when he comes back? Does he have a role? If he comes back and he does have a role again, change yeah. carry. What, what am I doing here? I want, I want to play football. Yeah, true, and it, it'll it'll be one of those things where we say thank you very much, and there'll be no negative fears because of what he did for us in, in especially the Barcelona game. There's yeah. uh, there's been no hard feelings. It he was great to have him. We were all made up when we did sign him, and yeah, it'd be good. But you just touched on there with Timo Werner. The news broke yesterday that the the clause has to be activated over the next <coughs> the next the next week, doesn't it, or the next twelve days? Yeah. Um, so that's going to be quite interesting to see how Liverpool play that over the next two weeks. What do you think? Do you think that deal's ever going to go over the line, or do you think it's going to be one of the things now? Which, like, the longer it goes on, the less likely I can see it happen. Yeah, it's, it's very, very novel for Keir, isn't it? It's starting to emerge. Talk about it on the shows every fucking week. Um, yeah, someone, someone replied to a thing. I think David Maddock did a report last week, or, or maybe even the week before. Kind of said Liverpool are out. You know, they're kind of not interested. And was like, it's all part of the dance. Which yeah. is the someone said, and I'm fully, fully behind that. We know we've seen this before. Liverpool aren't interested in Virgil van Dijk. Sounds Danny Ward's going to be Liverpool's number one goalkeeper for the season. Allison comes in. You know, we, we, we've seen this before, and again, Michael Edwards and is it Mike Gordon, the, the other fellow, you know, that they all transfer business at Liverpool are, are all very good at doing this. So 
my only concern is the, the, the Chelsea rumours that have been ramped up over the past couple of days, which like you know is making my heart clench a little bit. But you know, is that that could be Leipzig putting reports out in newspapers trying to pile on the pressure to encourage Liverpool to sign? It could be the agent trying to do that. It could be Timo Werner himself trying trying to get a move. You, you don't know what's what the what's behind the report. So I, I think Liverpool will get it done over the line. Timo Werner's come out four, five, six, seven, eight times and said he wants to come to Liverpool, which is very rare. Yeah. You know, for a player to kind of do that, but this position that Liverpool are in now, you know, we're shopping in, in a different, completely different store now of, of, of players of, of calibre and the fact that you know, players are courting us, not us like are trying to beg to get, you know, players or just like, you know, you said the Bappe team of Werner, Jane Sancho to, you know, in the conversation three, four, five years ago, we'd all laugh at each other. Whereas now it's, you know, it's, it, they're all possibilities, you know, outside the realms of possibility. So I think it'll get done. I just think it's going to go on for a little while. And again, I said before, the transfer market is, I think his clause is about £49 million. Like, you know, again, with post-coronavirus market, mm. does, does that come down? And can Liverpool get him for cheaper? And his contract's going to run out next season as well. So if you don't have the release clause, he doesn't sign a new contract, that price is only going to come down. Yeah, true. Mick, is your ass clenching as well? Uh, a little bit. But from, from what you read and hear and, See, obviously, Tim O'Verner's trying desperately to come to Liverpool. The amount of times he's gone and said, Liverpool are the best team in the world. Yeah, Klopp's the best manager in the world. He doesn't want to go to Bayern. All the signs are pointing that he's coming to the Premier League in some shape or form and looks like Liverpool are going to be that club. I feel like it's going to happen eventually. I don't, obviously, with the coronavirus and the price, it's going to, might, it's obviously going to be the issue because I think 50, 50 million, Liverpool don't want to pay that because obviously funds are running low because no one's fucking playing football at the minute. So I think it's going to happen eventually. I just, I don't want it to get to the point where it obviously like an adult figure where it's like, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, then it doesn't. And, he fuck, and then he goes to Chelsea because he's got no alternative because they're willing to pay and we're not. Yeah. I think if it comes to that, I think if Chelsea do probably if pay, we do want to pay that, I think we will probably come in and say, well, fair enough, if, if they're willing to pay it, we'll have to pay it because we want our man. Obviously, Klopp, like Ross has just touched someone, he wants a player, he gets him. He, he doesn't want anyone else apart from, like, talking about Van Dyke and Allison. He, do, he doesn't settle for second best. He, want, he wants the, the right man for the job. And obviously, there's a lot of, a lot of scouting gone into Timo Werner, and we can, we can all see from the Bundesliga highlights how, how good he is, how many goals he scored this season, how he's, he's literally the perfect. You could, if you could create a player perfect for Liverpool at the moment, that's in the transfer market, it would be Timo Werner. Yeah. Pace, trickery, playing all three positions up front. I think it's got it's going to happen eventually for me. Hopefully, anyway. Just look yeah. at his goal from from Monday night. You know the yeah. goalkeeper pumping up to him. It was like Salah versus Manchester United. Yeah. You know, I think makes right. He ticks all the boxes: versatility, price, age. You know, and I've said this loads of times before. You know, you think if you've got a Sadio Mane on a, on the left hand side running at you for seventy minutes. And then Timo Werner comes on, or you know, or vice versa. You know, going to be games where we're playing three times a week next season. You know, you, you're going to get more out of the front three by having someone a team of Werner's calibre. I don't think it's a sense of like who's he replace or whatever. It's having you know four or five people for for three spots. And again, you know, back on just quickly on the Shakiri stuff. We always forget about Minamino. Like I don't know what his yeah. role in, in the squad is yet. And you know, he, he he's tipped to you know to be really good. We haven't seen that much of him unfortunately. If Minamino steps up as well, like, you know, you've got another another person fine for that spot, or you know, David Origi as well. If, if we don't know what he's capable of, it's about having it's about having a, a massive squad and trying to manage all these games, and particularly going to next season, 
then going straight into the Euros and you know there might be the Afcon. So we're, we're not much sure about that. You need to cover yourself. We've been dead lucky not to have all injuries to the front three. Yeah, sustained periods of time. So with the amount of football we play, just cover yourself. And like Mick said, you know, don't. There shouldn't be a reason to buy someone, but don't don't let him go to Chelsea. Yeah, exactly, mate. Exactly. So if he doesn't turn out to another bloody fakir, let's just get him in. Um, but like Ross, we just want to say thank you very much for, uh, no, for thank joining you. us today. Really appreciate it as ever. Like I said, we'll get that match ball out to you. Um, Thanks. <laughs> we'll just deliver it and just throw it back. In yeah, the right, hand, yeah. <laughs> can I have a, uni- can have a uni- unicorn one this time, please? It'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no problem, mate. Well, listen, that was... Uh, yeah, that was the Copac podcast in isolation yet again. And uh, if, if you like the video, give it a like and a subscribe for us. Uh, check out the uh, squad number show episode four that uh, Mick tested me on. And Mick did some spot on research on that one, didn't you, mate? So uh, good to go and check that one out. Put the link there for you. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Podcast Network.